Hey, good morning. Hey, it's good to see you guys today. Welcome to the Grove. Uh, my name is Eric Matoy. If you don't know me, Pastor Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. Uh, we're in a series called The Ascent, and, and I'm going to talk about what that means. Uh, essentially, uh, all of us, especially when we start new years, we always like to begin to dream about the future, right? What's this year going to look like? What are we going to accomplish? And this is what I know about all of us is we all have really great hopes and aspirations for the future, right? It's that uphill hope. Uh, we want to accomplish some things. Um, and the question really is, from where you're at currently to where you want to be, is how big is that gap? How large is that gap? And how can we close that gap, right? And so if you don't put some really good skills and habits and practices in place for 2020, um, you won't reach those goals. And what happens a lot of times people have these uphill hopes and aspirations, but they have downhill habits. And their life, they're always wondering, why am I not closing the gap? Why am I not getting where I want to be in relationships and marriage, all that? And so the series is saying, if we can learn some skills in life, it'll help us to begin to see some of those dreams become a reality, right? And so during this uh, series, um, one of the things that I love, it's, the set is, is built around uh, these four, 15 songs that we find in the, in the Psalms. They're called the Songs of Ascent. And essentially, they're pilgrim songs that when the pilgrims are traveling, when different people from um, different areas around the world would go, travel back in pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they, these songs they would be, they would sing, and they would remind themselves about different aspects of their faith, the faith journey, and uh, just there's some different ideas in there. So we're going through these different psalms and pulling out some principles for us and some skills for us to learn so that we can be these kind of people, right, that continue to ascend. And one of the things I love is that as we're going through this series is that we have the best reminders in Santa Fe, right? In fact, uh, they'll put a picture behind me. Uh, it's a picture of one of the one of the team members who took a picture of the mountains, and um, it's just cool. Well, you look around all around every direction. You look, you see the mountain peaks against you know the silhouette against the either the blue sky or sometimes when the sun is setting. It's just amazing to see these mountains right all around us. And since we started this series, uh, my wife's been sending me these these videos and pictures of different. Um, um, climbers and, and different views. Like this next one's a uh, picture in France. Um, I think it says, what does it say? Um, the Walk of Death. <laughs> they're, in France, they're walking this one. I'm guessing because it's probably steep on both sides, and if you fall, you probably die. And so, but climbing mountains can be pretty treacherous. And then uh, she showed me this one this last week of a, of a picture from the highest mountain on earth, right? And uh, there, I think there might be some sound behind it, maybe not. Um, and uh, this is this is the the stand up to the, the they're at the almost the end of um, of the Mount Everest right and so uh, going to play it one more time so you can see the the elevation eight thousand eight hundred forty eight meters that's almost thirty thousand feet uh, so uh, that's really high that's like that's like where jetliners cruise right <laughs> when you're flying in a plane that's how high those things are and so um, but notice the view right isn't that spectacular it's like you're in a plane almost. Uh, looking down on everything because it's so high, um, and I, I remember I was, I was last last year we knew this series was coming, so I watched some docu- documentaries on on uh, Mount Everest and some of the different expeditions and the different teams that climbed it. It was really really interesting to see um, how some of these guys. And in one case, there's a few people that actually did not make it and they died. Um, a, a different team. It wasn't the team I was watching, but um, a lot of people they, they lose their lives in this in this uh, in, on this this climb. A lot of times because they're not ready, and a lot of times because they're, they're, when they get up there, their skills, they, they don't have the right skills to be able to accomplish that. And then what happens when you're that high, your brain doesn't think straight because you're, you're living on less oxygen, right? And so uh, it depletes your ability to really ra- think rationally. And so a lot of times even that will cause people to make really dumb decisions. And so just watching that whole documentary was, was really interesting. And uh, one of the things I, I, I read about this interview that one of the, the, the leaders of these expeditions, he's taking so many people up to help people get to the summit of a lot of different mountains, including Mount Everest. And uh, the interviewers asked him, like, you know, this is so dangerous. A lot of people die every year. Why would you even attempt this? Why would you even risk your life to do this? 
And he looked at the guy and says, obviously, you've never been to the top of a mountain. And that was his answer. When you've experienced it, you understand the joy. You understand the, um, uh, what comes with that, right? I don't know if you've ever climbed a high mountain, but you turn around and you look and you think, wow, this is beautiful, right? You go high, you drive, take the drive up to the, uh, the Aspens, and you see just na- nature, you see creation. It's just amazing. It reminds you of how small you are and how big the world is, right? How small we are and how great God is who made the world. And so uh, in this, this series, The Ascent, in this, uh, this process, we're really trying to figure out what are those skills we need. In fact, I had one guy ask me, he says, uh, so before they discovered Mount Everest, what was the highest mountain on the earth? I'm like, huh, I don't really know much about mountains, but I would say like uh, maybe Mount Kilimanjaro. It's like, no, Mount Everest. It's like, you got me, right? You, you can use that to somebody sometime like, hey, before they discovered something, what was the highest one? Even though they never discovered it, it was still the highest mountain on earth, even though they didn't know about it, right? Yeah, it was, it was a riddle. I failed the riddle. Um, but you guys won't when they ask you next time. So even though we don't know about it, it's still the highest. Um, so this faith journey, it's really about going from one degree of glory to the next. Paul, Paul writes and says it like this, that our, the call we're called to as, as Christ followers is to continue to let God to lead us from one, one glory to the next. Uh, so we reflect his glory, right? So we, one degree of looking like Christ to another degree of looking like Christ. And so every, every week, every um, day, we're, we're allowing God to work in our lives so we begin more, to look more like him. We talk like him more, we think like him more, we act like him more, right? And that's the call of that. Because here's the truth, when it comes to being a Christian or a Jesus follower, um, it's not so much of a prayer you pray, it's not so much of, of a place you go to or a book you read. Discipleship is not, um, it's not about a destination, although that's important. It's really about a, a journey of who you're becoming. In fact, a disciple means that you're, you're trying to become like the teacher, right, like the rabbi. And so when Jesus called the disciples, he's saying you... You want to be my disciples? Learn what I do so you can do what I do. And so being a disciple is not about acquiring information about God, but it's acquiring skills and faith. So what Jesus was trying to do for his disciples, the disciples, right, that took his message, is he was trying to teach them skills for the journey of faith so that they could know how to live the life. And they could, when they faced different things, they would, they would say, what would my rabbi do? I think he would do this. I'm going to do that. And they reflected who he was. So it's about who becoming, not just knowing, right? It's a process. And so each week, we're actually covering two psalms every week because we do one on Sunday, and then the midweek, we do a shorter version of the next psalm. And so for the last three midweeks, we've, we've put a video out. You can find it on our website or some of our social media. It's shorter, five or six minutes. And so the Sunday message is a little longer, and the midweek message is just a short one just to encourage you to say, hey, we're on this journey. And our hope is this, that since we started week one, and when we end the 15 psalms uh, towards the end of February, that we'll, we'll be on this journey, right, of just continuing doing this. God, help me to... Help me to become more like you. Help me to learn so that my year would start like this. What, can you imagine 2020, the end of it? If you started like this on, in the beginning, you're just kind of beginning to climb like this, even if it's just sl- slight improvements and slight um, um, increase of, of becoming more like God or allowing God to work in your life. At the end of the year, you know, all those hopes and aspirations, you'll actually begin to realize a lot of those or get closer to them because you begin to put some, some practices and skills in place. So let's go to the next Psalm, Psalms 126. Uh, this is the next one in the series. It says this, it seemed like a dream too good to be true. I'll read through the whole psalm, and then we're going to go back and kind of t- break it, pull out some ideas uh, for today, okay? Uh, talk about what, the main idea, and then talk about some skills that we can, the skill that we can use and have. It seemed like a dream too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. And now... God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs 
um, at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessings. So when I read this, uh, the, the word that pops into my mind is joy. Uh, this, is a, this is a song, the Song of the is of joy. Uh, what's really fascinating about this psalm is it's a reflection of what God has done in the past, right? So they're talking about their experience. And when I read the psalms, we, we tend to read it through our eyes, right? The problems and the difficulties that we face. Uh, we read it through the, the, um, the lens of Western eyes, of Western culture, living in America. Um, but you have, sometimes have to think, when we're reading these, the people that were writing these, they didn't think like we thought. Um, the difficulties they faced were much different. They lived in a very brutal time, right? So the dangers of them traveling from one nation to another nation on pilgrimage three times a year, there was a lot of potential dangers there. Um, in this case, they're, they're, they're writing about a time when they were exiled, right? They, the one nation far away came and took them captive, left, made them leave their city, their country, to, to go back to their country and become their servants and become part of their nation. And so they were, they were, held, they were captive. And so this psalmist is reflecting back on that. Right? And they believe this is probably referring to the, when they were uh, exiled to um, um, Babylon. And when they're leaving, you know, as they're talking, they're saying, we're leaving, right? Um, and, and they're looking back, and, and they're, they're saying this is too good to be true. So we'll read that in a second. So joy. Uh, if we're going to talk about joy, one of the things we have to understand is there's a difference between joy and happiness, right? Uh, we, have, we have the American dream, right? Uh, it's, it's the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's not a bad dream. That's a really good dream. I think we should all be happy in life. We should, we should strive for that. But here's the thing with happiness as, as compared to joy. They're different. Happiness is dependent on the circumstances or the, the situation that you find yourselves in, right? Um, for example, if I said, write your life 1 to 10 on a scale from 1 to 10, up or down, right? Right now in this, in this moment, how happy are you from 1 to 10? Well, you would begin to look at, reflect and think about your life, and you'd say, well, I have this problem, this problem, this problem. And depending on how many problems there are would determine how, how happy you are in life. And so when, when we see life as we rate and, and, and base our, our life on happiness, really our happiness slides up and down uh, depending on how many negative issues are in our life, right? So if the, if the problems rise, our happiness goes down. And if the problems go down, then our happiness goes up. And a lot of people in life, they're saying, I want to be happy, I want to be happy. I doesn't want God to be happy. Yes, he does, but he wants something more than just happiness for our lives, and it's not just about happy happiness. In fact, let me give you a comparison between the two, right? Happiness is a state of mind, while joy is a mindset. State of mind is you come and go, right? Mindset is it's, it, you're, you're beginning to think in a different way. Happiness comes and go, while joy can be constant. Happiness is dependent, while joy is independent. So happiness is dependent on your circumstances, it's dependent on what people say and what you're going through, but joy is independent of all those things. You can still have it even when you go through difficult things, difficult times. Happiness is conditional while joy is unconditional. Um, there's a little comparison right there, right? In the Bible, joy is, is one of the, Paul mentioned it, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. So it's something that when you're, when you're allowing God to lead you is what the Bible says and you're walking his path with him, one of the fruit that you'll experience in your life is joy. It's, 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 it's part emotion, but it's not just emotion. It's more than emotion. Uh, it's beyond that, right? It's, it's similar to happiness in the sense that it feels good, but it's beyond happiness in the sense that it doesn't stick, doesn't um, depend on what you're going through to be happy or to be joyful, right? It's a choice. Um, so Christian joy is not a shallow emotion, right? It's, it's, it's not like a thermometer that just gauges the temperature. That's happiness. So in a room... If you have a thermometer, you go and you look at the temperature. And depending if the room is hot or cold, depending on different times of the year, that's going to rise or fall, depending on the, 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 the atmosphere, right? 
Well, joy is not like that. And we'll talk about what that looks like in a second. Uh, Eugene Peterson says this about joy. Joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship. It is a consequence. It's not what we have to acquire. It, it is not what we have to acquire in order to experience life in Christ. It's what comes to us when we are walking in the way of faith and obedience. Catch that? It's, it's not something you have to do. You, you're, not, you're not striving and saying, I, I have to have joy in my life. It's actually a result, a consequence. It's, it's fruit of the choices you're making. And so if you have joy in your life, that's just an indication that you are actually on the right path, right? And so, um, but at times, there's, there's times and seasons we go through where we don't sense a lot of joy. And so not having joy doesn't mean that you're on the, necessarily off the path or on the wrong path. But when you never have joy, that's a really good indication that you're on the wrong path, right? Because it's, there should be some kind of fruit in your life when you're allowing God to lead your life that you actually experience joy. Not just joy, but peace and love, all the fruit that Paul, that Paul talks about in Galatians, right? This is one of them. This is when you're on the right path, right? When you're walking the way of faith and obedience, you should experience this. It's a part of what comes with it. And so when you walk the right, it's just a result. Um, so let's, let's read that psalm one more time. The, so it seemed like a dream, right? Too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, uh, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. Uh, so it's almost like this dream that they're, they're leaving their captivity, right? But they're looking over their shoulder like, man, is this, is this really happening? And, and the picture of them looking over their shoulders actually referring even back further to when God rescued his people from another captivity when they were slaves in Egypt. But what happened in Egypt is when they left and they were freed, the Egyptian army actually changed their mind and came chasing them. And so in this case, they're leaving Babylon and they're looking back like, are they going to come get us and take us back or are they really going to let us go? And this moment of, of realizing they actually have this new start to life. They're leaving captivity. They're now going back home. They're free people. And it's, it's, it's like a dream. It's too good to be true. You know, when people experience Christ's freedom for the first time, it's amazing the joy, it's amazing the peace, it's amazing what is produced in our lives when we realize we're no longer slaves to sin, that we no longer have sin or shame or guilt because we've come clean with everything saying, God, help me on this journey. It's kind of like what they're talking about. It's, it's almost too good to be true. Like, this can't be true, but it is. It's part of the journey, right? We laugh, we sing, there's this joy there, it's festive. And then he says, we were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God is wonderful to us. What's really interesting about this psalm, and throughout Scripture, even in other psalms we've read, uh, there's these indications all the time of something greater that's going on. So, so it's talking about one thing, but there's a, um, some hidden, I guess, hiddenness to the, what, what is also taking place. So we are one happy people, right? That is, that is the, the sentence that's in the middle of the psalms, the, this psalm. So the first part of the song that, we, that they just sung um, is about the past. So the first half is the past. And then we are one happy people is the center and the next what we'll read is all about the future. Um, so just remember that, okay? We are one happy people is right in the center. The past was God has been good to us. God rescued us. God saved us. We are one happy people. And then look at the expectation. And now God, do it again. So now we're today, all right? God was good then. We're here today. We're one happy people. Now God, do it again. Bring rains to, the drought, to our drought-stricken land. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. So today, we are one happy people. In the future, there's, a, there's hopeful and joyful expectation of what God's going to do. So what they're saying is they're looking forward and they're saying, even those who are going through something difficult, there's going to be something really good on the other side. Even those that are facing challenges in life, God's going to produce something really, really good. Throughout Scripture, over and over, God is very consistent in this. That he's not saying life is going to be easy, life's going to be perfect, he's going to save us from every hard thing. It's actually the opposite. In the middle of all, he says, 
like Jesus told the disciples, in this life you will face different challenges and, and tribulation and difficulties. You're going to. It's going to happen. It's part of what the consequences of sin, what's taking place, that we, the results of that, right? And so let me read James, um, the half-brother of Jesus. He says this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What is he saying? He's saying, he's saying pay attention. Another, another uh, uh, translation says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. Look up ahead. Right, this is a count it all joy. Consider it's an accounting term that that means to uh, to reflect. It means to evaluate, right? So if you were um, looking at, at a spreadsheet of, of numbers, your bank account, you're evaluating where all these things have gone and maybe where even where it's leading to. That's that's what he's saying when he says count it all joy. Consider pure joy. He's saying evaluate the situation. Don't get don't get stuck. Don't get focused on the wrong thing. But but look at look at what was taking place, right? Um, look look up ahead. Right? Look down the road to see what's going to be produced. And the moment you're in, it's just, just a moment, but what's going to come down the road is more important. Paul, he echoes the same idea. Paul, uh, in Romans 5, 3, he says, we can rejoice too. Right? What, what does rejoice mean? It's, it's like remembering the joy that we have. Right? We're rejoicing. We're, we're remembering that God is good. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. So when we face something difficult, God's going to help develop something in our lives. Right? Um, what is the opposite of what they're asking us to do. So Paul and James are saying, hey, when you're, in a, when you're in a difficulty, consider it pure joy. Not the difficulty. We don't celebrate the evil. We don't celebrate the, the wrong that maybe we're facing. But we, we begin to celebrate and look forward to what, what's going to be produced through this. So essentially we're saying, here's the option. You could take this little problem, you could focus on it, and you can only think about this until it goes away. Or you can look at this and ask the question, what is this going to do in my life? And when you do that, you actually begin to look further down the road. And this is the perspective the Bible tells us to have, is when we face something difficult, don't just get focused on it. Because um, what happens when you get stuck or focused on the pain, it actually causes more issues in our, in our lives. When all you focus on is the pain of your life, it'll cause other issues in your life. Don't miss that, all right? Because when you get focused, you, you neg- neglect and ignore other things that are important in your life, like relationships, because all you can think about is the pain. In fact, psychologists, they call it ruminating, all right? Rumination is the focused attention on the, on the cause of distress as opposed to the solution. So psychologists say that when we get stuck and fixated only on the pain, what happens is we only focus on what is causing the stress, we're causing the issue, right? The argument, the, 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 the boss, the um, coworker, um, the spouse, the school, whatever it is, the teacher, right? And we focus on whatever's not working. And, and all we can think about is that. It actually gets us, it causes us to get unhealthy rather than looking as, at the solution or looking at what could be produced in it. Right, so getting stuck on that, and it's 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 self-talk, right? Um, and in the middle of that, we have to be really careful, or we can have other issues pop up in our lives. So the enemy, he wants us to only fixate and get stuck on this, and so he'll he'll lie to us things like this. If God was really good, he wouldn't let you go through this. Like if he really loved you, you would never be facing something like this. Obviously, this is a sign that God doesn't love you. And what he's trying to cause is you to focus only on what is there when, in fact, God is saying, hey, I don't, I'm not happy you're going through this either. Like, I'm not, but I'm, I'm going to be happy what produces from it. I'm going to look down the road and see if you'll stick with it. And if you won't give up, you, you can continue on. I, I spoke to a, a friend this week, and um, he told me that um, last year was a really, really hard year. And uh, he was telling me just some of the stories that, that took place in his church. And um, he, was, he was at the point of throwing in the towel, like quitting and giving up because of some really tough stuff. Um, and um, he, he was focused on, on, on the issue, and it really was a big issue. Um, but but he, has, he reached out for help and talked to some other leaders and people that I know, and um, they helped coach him through that moment. 
And I'm so glad he didn't throw in the towel because God is doing a great, great work in his life and in the church that he's, that he's at. And um, what will happen is he got so fixated on the problem, he said, this is not worth everything else. And because he could only focus on the, on the pain of the moment, he almost gave up on all of it. But he pushed through. And because of it, he overcame it. So essentially, God was, and other people helped him say, hey, this is just part of the, the story. It's not the end. Like, you'll get through this. It's difficult. It's hard. And, and he told me, he's like, when I went through this, like, I hated it. He says, but our church is better now because we learned all these things that we weren't doing right. We learned all these things that actually were, that were causing some of these. And he began to own it. And, and what's great is to see that he's now coming on this side, not all the way out. There's still pain there. But as he comes out of it, what's going to be produced in that? And in our lives, when we face something, we have to look down the road. We pick our eyes up, right? And we look down the road to say, all right, this is not fun now, but what is this going to do in my life? How is this going to help, right? Nobody that's exercising with a lot of weight is, is really saying this is so much fun. It's like this is painful, this is hard, but with every push, every, every movement they make, they become stronger, right? So here's what I want to say. Outlook determines our outcome. Our outlook will determine our outcome, and our attitude determines our action. So remember last week we talked about attitude a little bit. We said the attitude is a position of our life, right? So if you have a positive attitude, like a plane, you're going up. If you have a negative attitude, you're going down, right? So our outlook is going to determine our outcome, which means whatever we're looking at and focused on, that's the direction we're going to go. So if you're looking at the pain, you're going to go into pain, and you're going to focus on pain. That's the direction you're going to go. That's going to be your outcome. But if your outlook is beyond that, down in the future, then you begin to – you'll end there. And then depending on your attitude with it, right? So you can still be looking down the road but still thinking like this is going to produce something horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm not liking this and I, I can't wait to get out of it. And if we have a negative attitude, it will actually determine the actions we take and the steps we take and the conversations we have. So it's not just, okay, let's have a good outlook, but also let's, through this let's have a good attitude also. Let's believe for the best. Let's ask God for help, right? And so it's, it's, when he's saying count it all joy, he's saying choose to have a joyful attitude through this. Choose to look beyond. Choose to look up. Right. Even if you fall into very, very tests, um, because he says the test that you go through will actually produce something in you really good. Those tests, those trials will actually help you become better. Um, John, John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is the last conversation he's having with them. It's a few chapters long. Right. So a couple weeks we talked about service and serving. He served his disciples by washing their feet, modeled for them. And he says, go and do the same thing. Right. And in the context of him coaching and teaching his disciples what to do, how they should respond, he makes a statement. He says, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And this is the context of serving. This is the context of following his lead, doing what he's done. So what did Jesus do? He loved others, right? He prayed for others. He, he, he um, walked around with, taught others of God's love. He, he was an expression of who God was to people around him. And he's telling his disciples, do this. Do the same thing I'm doing. Serve others. Live from this, this, um, this, this attitude of saying, I want to use my life to help others. And in this context, he's saying, I've told you these things so that you may have joy, right? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's going to be full. There's going to be some great things that come with it. So essentially saying, when you follow what I'm telling you, you're going to experience a lot of good things in your life. Uh, you're going to experience joy inside of your life. In fact, here's the skill I'd like to give us uh, for, for this week when it comes to if we're going to be climbing that, that mountain of faith, if we're going to be continuing the journey of faith, here's the one skill that we all have to have. And the reason God chose a lot of people in the Old Testament to do things is because they ex- exhibited this, this one skill. And this skill is this. It's obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. Obedience is really important because when God asks us to do something, we obey. The opposite is disobedience. So God gave Adam and Eve a choice, like he gives each one of us a choice every single day. You know, what, are you gonna, what, what, what tree are you going to eat from? Tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Like, what is your choice? Are you going to do 
follow my instructions or are you going to do your own thing? So obedience is saying, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you for what you're asking. Disobedience is saying, um, I'm going to do my own thing, right? So obedience is a good skill to learn. And obedience it actually is the path that's going to lead us to joy, right? That's where it is, where fullness of joy is. Notice the, psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 16, 11, He says this, you make known to me the path of life. So God shows us the path. He's saying there's a path to take. If you want to know the path to life, I'm going to show it to you. And on this path, you fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So you make known the path of life to me, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. There's eternal pleasures that come with that. So the psalmist is saying, in life, don't focus on the temporary. Focus on the eternal. Don't focus on just what's going now. Look beyond that to say, what is going to be produced in this? In your marriages, in your family, in your school, in your work. Don't just focus on the, the difficulty at the moment, but focus on what, what, how, how is this going to impact the future? And how can I use my time today to be able to bring something good in the future? Right? And so he's saying, on this path you, that you may know to me, like there's this, this relationship, I'm walking with you, and in your presence is fullness of joy. So he's saying when, when, when we obey God and we walk the path he's leading us on, he's, he's on the ride with us, he's along with us, and when, we, when, when he's with us, we have this fullness of joy because of his presence, right? And there's something beyond that. It's not just temporary, but it's also eternal. And, and the psalmist is saying, don't, don't just get stuck for now, but look down the road. We can say it like this. The path to joy is through obedience. There's only one way to find joy in your life, and that's through obedience. Through obedience, right? You have to choose it for your life. Um, outlook determines our outcome. So if we want to end with joy, we have to begin with joy. Whenever you're facing a difficulty, if you want to have joy at the end, you have to start with joy. It's not going to just show up. And so what that means is when, when you're going through something difficult, instead of focusing on the negative, instead of having a, a negative attitude, instead of beginning to say this is the end, you begin to ask the question, God, what do you want to do in this situation? What do you want me to get out of this situation? And even the worst situations in life, God can still do something amazing. Maybe you don't like your work environment and you dread it every single day, right? What if in the middle of that, God is actually wanting to use you to make a difference? Because if you feel that way, most likely a lot of people feel that way. And what if you begin to be the change that would bring something to the people's lives around? And, and if you're faithful to do what God's asking you, like show up with joy, show up early, work hard, Here's what I know. If you do what he's asking you to do and you're, you're being a, a good model to those around you, if it doesn't change, he'll change you. He'll move you out. That, that's just that how God works. He's, I'm going I'm to get you to the place you need to be. So you do what I ask you to do, and eventually we'll change things if they don't change. But just trust me on this journey that we go. So our outlook will determine our outcome, right? And if you want to end with joy, you have to start with joy. It's a choice that you make, Right? Um, you know, I talked about the thermometer. Happiness is like a thermometer that just gauges the temperature of the room. Joy, and our choice is obedience, is kind of like that thermostat, right? So obedience is God says do something. You go and you change the thermostat. So in, in your life, if you don't like the way something's going, the climate, the environment, of what's, what's happening, you've got to do something. And God says your actions will actually bring about change. And in a large room like this, right, if I went to the thermostat and changed it, it's not going to change immediately, but eventually if I set that temperature at 100 degrees, it might take a few hours, you know, but eventually it's going to get to that 100 degrees. I don't think I wanted 100 degrees because that would be horrible to be in here at 100 degrees. But if I wanted to, I could lift it up, right? Or if we needed some cold air, we could cool it down. Our obedience is the same thing in our life. When we're obedient, we're now saying, I'm going to begin to control and I'm going to be able to, to determine some of the outcomes in life. Um, and, and that's what happens when, we, when we're obedient with God is we begin to change this, the, the environment in our lives. We begin to say, God, you, you use us to do it, right? So Paul, Paul gives us um, really, I would say, the secret 
to joy. In, in Philippians, you know the, the count it all joy, that, that term, um, the, math, the term that says evaluate? He uses it three times in Philippians. He's in prison. He's writing about life and how to have a better perspective, a better outlook. And three times he says consider, 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 evaluate. And what he's saying, he's saying, guys, there was a time when my life, my outlook was the wrong outlook, and I was producing really bad results. And then I had an encounter with Jesus. My life was changed. And now my, my outcome, the outcome of my life and my outlook is completely different. He's saying, evaluate where you're going. Is it the right path? What you're doing, is it the right thing? And he says this. He says that I found what it, what it, what it means to be content in all situations. He says, no matter what I faced, no matter what the problem was, if I was hungry, if I had a lot of food, if I was poor, if, if people were trying to kill me, I learned this, this secret to all the things that I, I face is this, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Essentially saying, this is not the focus of my life. He's the focus of my life. And the direction he's leading me is the focus of my life. And he says, the way I can be content in all situations is I can do it through Christ, with Christ. Essentially saying, when I'm obedient, when I trust him, that he's going to either, either get, get me out of the situation or get me get something, get, help me get something from this situation. Either way, God's going to produce something good. And his perspective was always, it doesn't matter what I face, God's going to use this for something good. And he invites us, God invites us on the same journey, saying, would you trust me? Would you help me on this? You know, the psalm, it ends by saying those who, who, who are uh, sowing with, with difficulties and with tears, right, that they're going to reap a harvest one day. Uh, Jesus, he, he tells, uh, he gives an explanation to his disciples, and he says, guys, when I leave, I'm going to get, he's trying to tell them he's going to die, right, and the next day, like, they're going to kill me brutally, and you're going to freak out, and all of you are going to run away because you're going to be so freaked out about it. He says, but your grief is going to turn to joy. Just, just hang in there. Don't, don't let the grief overwhelm you. Don't let the difficulty um, keep you away from what God has. It's going to be temporary. It's going to be a moment. And so Jesus is coaching his disciples to know that they're only going to go through this for, for a, a moment. But afterwards, it's going to produce something good. And he gives us an example. He says, it's like a woman who's giving labor, right? The pain is very intense and very difficult. Let me pause right there. So um, my wife, we've had four kids. And uh, the first one was probably the most difficult by far. And I didn't even, have the, I didn't even go through it, right? Um, but it was long. It was, it was this long process where it started pretty quickly, and then it just kind of just stopped. And they gave us this, this, um, this drug that would help like, kick it in. And my wife said that's the worst drug in the world. Like it, like she called it like the devil drug, right? So it's horrible. And um, it, it just drugged through the whole night. It was really long. And I remember trying to like, stay awake because we'd been long, awake for the whole night and trying to work through the contractions. It was really, really, really difficult, all right, the first one. And then, um, then it begins to progress, and we have this little boy, right? And honestly, so the first time, I'm a little freaked out, too, because I'm like, all right, I'm trying to be strong for my wife. And I'm like, man, this is, this is pretty brutal, right? This is pretty difficult. Like, I, maybe we should stop here after one, right? And, um, and as soon as Joaquin is born and we see him, it's almost like the pain and the, all that, all that buildup of what was so difficult, the, the nine months of, of, of all the things that took place of sickness and all that, it's almost like that all went away, almost. Maybe not for, for her, for me, right? <laughs> but the pain of childbirth, it's, it's almost in the middle of it, and a lot of people test this, right? Like the pain, once the pain's over and you see the result, it's like, I could do that again, right? Okay, not in that moment, but eventually we even considered doing it again, which we did three more times. We're like, you know... And we have conversations, and I was like, should we do it a fifth time? And they're like, no, okay, maybe not. But it's because the pain, we know the pain is going to produce something amazing. We can walk through the pain. Anybody have kidney stones? Yeah? 
So I wouldn't say this, but I, but I, an, an, a woman who had babies and kidney stones said this, so I have some credibility to say it, okay? It's not me saying it because I've never experienced um, <laughs> delivering a baby or kidney stones, and I hope I never have to experience either of those, all right? I hope. <laughs> but they say the pain level is really, really similar and really close. All right? I'm sure there's some differences because how, how it all goes. I'm not trying to say they're, they're apples for apples, but they're really difficult. But, but here's the thing with kidney stones is when you pass the kidney stone, what is produced? A kidney stone. Right? The pain is gone. That's a joy. But it's like the, all that pain built up was really for nothing. And a lot of times the focus is only on the pain. And then when it's done, it's like, fine, I'm, I'm over. I'm gone with that. But having a baby is much different. What's the difference? The outlook. And what's the outcome? One has joy, and I guess one has joy too because there's no more pain, but one is like fullness of joy, right? Like, oh my goodness, I'm holding this little baby. His name is Joaquin, and he's mine. Oh my God, what am I going to do this little baby now, right? But there's this joy of like, God, you've given us something that's so amazing and so, so, so awesome. When Paul and when James and when Jesus and the Old Testament tell, tell us, Hey, when you go through something difficult, hang in there. Because at the end of it, God's going to produce something really, really good. And here's, here's the way to make sure you hang in there is just be obedient. God asks you to keep going the journey, go. What is he going to ask you to do? Sometimes it's very simple. It's, hey, would you reach out and love that person? Hey, would you use your time to serve that person? Would you compliment that person? Hey, would you give part of your finances away to do something good in the world? Whatever he's asking you, you just trust him. and you, He's going to lead you on this journey. And when you do it, on this journey, all of a sudden you begin to realize, like, wow, there's a lot of joy here. Um, for our church, when we serve the poor, and when we serve uh, um, different needs that, that come to our, uh, up to our attention, there is so much joy when we're able to deliver that and, and help somebody know that we're supporting them. Why? Because it's the fruit of being obedient. It's the consequence. It's, it's the result of, of us saying we're on the right path. When you're climbing a mountain, and it's very difficult, and the moment you turn around and look and you think, wow, this is an awesome view. There's joy. There's enjoyment in it. Right? When, you, when you think of families, you know, in your family, if, if, um, if there's a, a, an attitude of service to one another, there's compassion and there's grace, what, what kind of words do we use in that kind of environment? I mean, I really enjoy my family. And when we're at work and we show up and there's collaboration and there's teamwork, right, and, and there's, there's support, we get to that environment and we say, I really enjoy my work environment. I really enjoy my, my work. Right? And at school, if you go to school and your teacher, one, they like their job, right? So they're really teaching really well and they're engaged, teaching in a way that, that's engaging you. And you like what they're saying and you're taking notes and you're, you're applying what they're asking you and you're doing your work. What kind of, what do we say about that? I enjoy this environment. And the opposite, when there's backbiting and when there's fighting and there's constant arguing, we dread those environments, Right? It's almost we get stuck in this despair and this like, man, it's never going to improve. The difference is in our approach to it. The difference is in the environment. We enjoy things that are healthy and that are good. And the invitation that God makes to us is this. Would you let me help you be healthy? That when you show up to your family, you show up to work, when you show up to school, your outlook is, okay, maybe this is not the funnest moment, but God's going to do something amazing. How can I invite him into the process? And the pain you go through will produce something really, really amazing. If you'll hang in there, you won't give up. So on this journey, when the psalmist is saying, man, look back and look forward, and depending on how you're out, how, your, your perspective, your reflection, and depending on your perspective of the future, 
Your statement's either going to be, our, be, we are one happy people or life really sucks, right? And, and, and today, whatever it is in your life, how much joy you have and how much peace you have in life is more of a statement, not so much of your life, but how you've chosen to look at what you're going through. Paul, whatever you're going through, Paul went through 10 times, maybe 100 times worse than you've gone through. And maybe that's not fair, because maybe some in this room have gone through some really difficult times. Maybe, maybe you could compare. But he's gone through some things even similar to you. And what did he say? Man, I found the secret. I can do all things through Christ gives me strength. Whatever comes my way, it's going to be good. Hey, if I die in this situation that's not good, it's okay. I'm going to heaven. And if I get through this situation that's not good, great. I get to stay here, and I get to write more letters, and I get to encourage more people to know God. No matter what happens in this situation, Paul is saying, the outcome is already determined. It's going to be good. He's saying, I'm going to choose joy. So here's my challenge. Would you choose joy? Would you choose joy this week? And the way you choose it is by saying yes to the things God asks you to say yes, that he asks you to do. It's through obedience. You choose joy by saying yes to the things God asks you to do. And you just stay, stick with it. You stay faithful. It's not easy, but it's God is saying, I'll help you on this journey. So essentially, look as far down the road as you can with each decision you make. Look as far down the road as you can with every challenge that you face and ask the question, what is this going to produce in my life? And God, what do you want to use this to produce in my life? He's not saying celebrate the evil, celebrate the hard. He's saying celebrate what could be. And maybe the difficulty that came to your, to, to your, that you're going through is so you can help overcome those kind of things in this life. Maybe he's allowing you to grow some, um, some strength to be able to help others get over that. Maybe he's allowing you to experience that so you can use your life and your resources to say, that's not, that's not right, that's not okay. Let's do something about this. Last, last week we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr., right? And his impact on, on our nation. It's a massive, incredible impact. His is one of those. He says, instead of focusing on what's not right, man, I'm going to use what God's given me, the platform, I'm going to do something about it. And essentially he says, I have a dream, right? That one day, he's looking way down the road. He's saying, we can get through this. And it cost him his life. But I guarantee, when he looks back, all the good he's done, he would say, I'll do it again. And Jesus would say, I will do it again. And Paul, Peter and Paul and the disciples would say, I'll do it again. In fact, they would said, willingly take my life if you, it, because I'm not going to renounce my God. Willingly take my life because you want me to stop doing what I'm supposed to do. They said, we will not stop being obedient, even if it costs us our life. On this faith journey, Paul and James and Jesus are telling us, if we'll live that way, He'll use us to make a big difference and having a big impact in our lives. My prayer for our church this week is that our, our, the environments in our lives would improve because we'd be the people that go and begin to change the thermostat. That we'd walk into our, our homes and say, hey, this needs to get better. We'd walk into the office and say, hey, this needs to get better. We'd go to school and say, hey, I can get better. This can get better. What can I do? And essentially, we become the people that say, no matter what we face, that's not going to stop me from becoming what God wants me to become. Can you imagine this week, if you would go to the thermostat box in your life and begin to say, all right, God, what do you want me to do in my family? Let's do it. And you begin to rise that, that temperature, do whatever God's asking you to do. won't change in one day. It won't change in two days. But I guarantee something will begin to shift. Something will begin to change if you'll stick with it and you'll keep going at it. Don't let these things stop you. You know, the first week um, I talked about how there's these four major stages when it comes to the, the faith journey to being a Christian. Right, and they're major. They're not little. There's not just small steps. But essentially, um, the the four major steps is an unbeliever, right, becomes a believer. 
And that believer becomes a disciple who begins to grow. That disciple becomes um, a leader, right, who finds their purpose. And then that leader who becomes a servant to others. And they help others get in this, this, this track, this circle. Well, today, um, as we end our service, I want to ask you, think about where you're at on this journey. You're on this faith journey, right? And some of us have stopped on this journey. We've stopped doing the, going to the next thing because it got hard or because we're comfortable. For whatever reason, we just stopped. The faith journey, God is saying, don't stop. Keep going. Use your life. Do something with your life in such a way. So some of you in this room, when I, when I think of a scale like, um, you know, maybe, maybe um, 1 to 10 of how, how you're doing on this journey, maybe some of you are like, I'm a negative 10. And that's okay. We're glad you're here. Maybe you've had some really bad experiences with church or maybe some things happen in your life. You, you're, you're mad at God and he's okay with that. And maybe you're a negative 10. My, my encouragement would, would say this. Can you just take a step maybe to negative 9 or negative 8? How would you do that? Maybe ask somebody in this room why they follow Christ and what he's done in their life. I guarantee you, when you begin to hear some of the stories, that things that God has done in their lives, it'll make you begin to say, wow, maybe God is a good God. Maybe, maybe God ha- has some good plans for my life. And if you're like maybe at a negative 1 or maybe a 0, you're kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'll do this. Would you consider taking your next step? Say, God, I, I want you to invite you in my life. One of the most important things you can do with your life is just say, yes, God, I want you to lead me on this journey. The joy that I find on Sundays when people take the next step is fullness of joy. Why? Because I'm using my life to say, God, help me to be able to make a difference in this world. When I go and serve people, when I go and do things, and I'm, I'm walking this journey with him, there's joy in my life to say, keep going. And God invites you into that. You want, you want fullness of joy in your life? Follow his lead. So let's, let's close our service today. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? And if that's you today, maybe you haven't let God lead you and you're doing your own thing. Today, would you be brave enough and bold enough to say, it's time, God, I want you to lead. I want to follow you. I want to invite you into my heart, my life. If you're here today and that's your story, that's your journey, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you to the front, but just right there in your seat. I'd love to lead you in a prayer of, of invitation of relationship with God, saying, God, I want relationship with you. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. When you walk with him, you'll experience things that nobody else can ever give you. It's beyond happiness. If that's you today, would you do me a favor? Would you lift your hand right in your seat and say, that's me? Today I want God. I need God. Awesome. See a few hands. Anybody else? It's me. Very good. All right. For you that raised your hand, uh, love to lead you in a prayer. If you're just following this room, would you pray with us so that they're not praying alone? Just say this prayer today. Say, Father God, today I need your help. I cannot do life without you. I invite you to lead me. Forgive me of my past, of my sins, of my choices that have led me away from you. Forgive me. I ask you to come into my life and lead me. Help me to follow you. I say yes to what you're asking me. Help me to become more like you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross and to walk this earth to show me how to live so I can have new life. Today I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. Lead me and guide me. 
and I'll believe with you for the best. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we, can we celebrate all those that raised their hand and prayed? So good.